This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to today's Positive Parenting Show. I'm Armin Brott. For a lot of people, trying to get pregnant can be, well, kind of a trying experience. You've probably already attempted every single trick that you know that's supposed to help you get pregnant. You've heard all the suggestions from all those well-meaning friends who have kids and the family members who have kids, and nothing's working. And friends and family keep asking if you had any luck, and the answer still the same. What they want to know and what you want to know is, are you infertile? Now, the word itself, infertility, is a bit of a loaded term. It's actually a medical condition, but despite what you may have heard, it's actually a condition that affects both men and women equally. It's so common that it affects more than 100 million people worldwide, and in this country, it's a concern as well. It affects at least 7 million, but a lot of experts are suggesting that that number could actually be even triple that, so up to 21 million people. So here's the thing. If you've been trying to get pregnant for more than a year without any luck, you need to have a fertility evaluation. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking about infertility. And while we're not going to be able to give you that fertility evaluation, by the end of the show, you're going to know an awful lot more about infertility and fertility than you used to. We're going to be debunking a lot of the myths about fertility. We're going to talk about some of the advances in technology that are absolutely amazing and some lifestyle changes that you can make that can go a long way towards increasing the chances that you're going to be able to achieve the results that you want. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. Bullying is not kids being kids. It's not about good homes or bad homes. It's not a normal part of growing up. I shouldn't be afraid to get on the school bus. To turn on my computer. Message from lock to my locker. Stop his or her behavior in 10 seconds when their peers speak up. Use your voice. Hey, leave him alone. We have the power to stop bullying. Find out more at bullying.org. Where you're not alone. You must be your fairy godmother. <laughs> yes. It doesn't take a fairy godmother to tell you that the right fit means everything. Good heavens, child. You can't go in that. Children under four foot nine need to be in a booster seat because they aren't ready for adult safety belts alone. Remember that four foot nine is the magic number and get your little pumpkin there safely in a booster seat. <laughs> oh, thank you. For more information, visit boosterseat.gov. This has been a message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of the show is Jennifer Hannon, who's the co-author of What to Do When You Can't Get Pregnant, The Complete Guide to All the Options for Couples Facing Fertility Issues. That's a pretty comprehensive title. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about why is this an important topic now? There seems to be so much going on. I mean, there's different technologies and different approaches, and everybody's having twins and triplets, and so why the the focus on fertility issues now? Well, I think everyone has had problems for a while for fertility. That's not new. What's new is we know more now. Okay. And we know we know more about the causes. We know more about the causes, we know more about the treatments, we know more about how what to do so that you can get pregnant faster. Okay. So it did not all that long ago, it was pretty much looked at as a female thing. It was. it was, you know, and now we're kind of disco- discovering that it's about what, 40, 40? 
Exactly. And then 20 is just unexplained. Exactly, because about one in six American couples have problems with fertility, you know, within the year of trying. So that's kind of the definition. I was just going to ask you to define infertility. Mm -hmm. So that's basically not being able to get pregnant right. within a year of, of starting the whole yeah, process. Yeah, and I would say if you're in your upper 20s or early 30s and you haven't been able to get pregnant within a year, you should see somebody, whether it's your, your, your uh, regular doctor that you trust or your OB-GYN who you trust or if you're a man and you don't want to see a fertility doctor, you can see a urologist. Or you can see a uh, fertility specialist like Dr. Potter with HRC Fertility. Okay. And do you find that there's technical approaches that are more successful or that lifestyle issues are more successful? How, how do the, those things work into it? Because I know there's, there's both. I mean, there's right. taking care of yourself and preconception and things like that, which we'll talk about. But Right. I, I think it's a combination, actually. I've, I've interviewed lots of couples, and some um, got pregnant the first time. Others, it took multiple times. Some did acupuncture. Some followed a certain diet. Um, so I really think it's different for everybody. But I would say that uh, what we worry about most is polar extremes, people that um, are too overweight. And when I mean too overweight, I mean they have a basal, um, it's called a BMI. It's a basal um, metabolic index of, uh, I mean, you can look it up online. 30 Just, something. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're five foot and you weigh over 200, <laughs> you're going to be obese, okay? So if you're, if you're too big or you're too thin, like you're athletic and you, uh, you work out all the time, your, your body fat's going to be too low to get pregnant. So you really want to make sure you're sort of in the middle. Well, this has nothing to do with anything, I guess. But the, I just, as you said, that five foot and, and weighing two hundred yeah. pounds. There's a woman yeah. that I knew who was about those those dimensions, right? And she had horrible cramps in her stomach, and she mm -hmm. went to the hospital emergency room to for, if she thought it was an appendectomy, and she gave birth to a baby. She didn't even know she was pregnant. Yes. So, so obviously, yeah. being overweight can cause it, all yes. sorts of problems yes. on both sides. And being underweight too. I mean, you may not get pregnant if you're. You may not even have periods if you're a woman and you're severely underweight. Right. So you can skip right. periods. So. So let's talk about some of the things that you guys are advising men to do. We'll start okay. with men okay. who, who are having difficulties. You know, are, are there's the sort of the stereotypical stuff. You stay out of hot tubs. You mm -hmm. wear looser fitting underwear. Right. To try not to be a long distance trucker and yeah. have sitting on <laughs> sitting on hot seats and things like that. Yeah. What else goes on there? What's that? What else? Okay. So um, you know, some of it is 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 of course. Um, I would say psychological, maybe not blaming your spouse, because a lot of times as, as humans, we get into the blaming game and we want to yeah. blame each other for, for not getting pregnant, but that doesn't fix the problem. So, you know, some of the some of the things you can do would be to um, there's a drug called Civita. You can take that and, and that helps your increase your fertility. That's one thing for you men can do for men. Uh -huh. oh, OK. Yeah. For women. I mean, um, basically, it's sort of the same. It's it's probably hormonal. It's also stress relief. You can do acupuncture. You can and, and Dr. Potter is a huge proponent of acupuncture. You can do massage therapy. I mean, we we list all the um, complementary complementary therapies you can do along with IVF, or whether it's you're going through Clomid or whether you're doing some kind of IUI. You know, there's lots of different treatments, obviously, for fertility. So IVF is just in, in, in vitro fertilization is just one of them. And stress, I mean, I'm sure that everybody kind of thinks about this or they have mm -hmm. heard stories like this. The stress has got to be a huge thing because, yes. I mean, you, you always hear about people who have been infertile for years and they mm -hmm. finally just gave up on the whole thing and then, boom, they get pregnant again. Yes, and I've interviewed people like that. I've interviewed a couple. In fact, they've gone through it six times. And then the sixth time, finally worked with Dr. Potter because they had a different doctor before. And then uh, they didn't take the pill the next year, and then they got pregnant. And so, yes, yeah, stress is a huge deal, and you hear about that all the time where somebody adopts. 
and and I even interviewed a couple that did adopt and then and also got pregnant. So it does happen. Stress is huge. What do you think about the the technology and how this is pushing the age limits? And I'm thinking mm-hmm. I just got a book a couple of weeks ago and wasn't able to set up an interview with the author, but her mother was 60, mm-hmm. I think, and gave birth mm-hmm. to the daughter's child through you know there was an yeah. egg donor and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. so you have a 60 year old woman giving birth. She's probably not. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's you know like a kidney transplant. I mean, something you say, wow, what a what a tremendous sacrifice. But mm-hmm. a sixty-year-old woman is not built for giving mm. giving birth, is hey, she? You know, I I would say, well, you know, if you're in shape and you know you're you're physically fit, why not? Um, you know, should sixty-year-old women have babies? I mean, it's the same as men. I mean, when that kid's twenty, you're going to be eighty, so you have to think right. about that, and so. You really need to know, you know, is, is IVF for you? Is fertility treatment for you? Is adoption for you? Those are things you have to discuss with yourself, your parents, your partner, whoever, you know, to make sure that you're you're on board with what you're doing. So. Yeah, well, in this case, it wasn't. she's not exactly the mother. Yes, I mean, no, she's not. She's having the baby thing. as she's a sacrifice for her daughter, which, right. is a, which is a commendable, you know, altruistic thing to do. I mean, yeah. that's great. All right, so we talked a little bit about the, what's going on with the guys and mm-hmm. what sorts of things they can do preconception-wise. Right. So what do you tell women to, to do? It's it's a, a longer cycle for women, obviously. I mean, yeah. for men, you have about 90 days or so. Right, right. The sperm cycle is uh, they're kind of refreshing each other, refreshing themselves, whatever, All right. uh, in, in about 90 days. But for women, you can have things that happened a couple of years ago that can still be a problem. So how do well, you, how sure. do you tell young young women to well, prepare? Well, I think themselves? you would say um, try not to have uh, premarital sex. You know, <laughs> uh, try not to, uh, or at least not till you want to have. Good luck uh, with that. Uh, <laughs> at least not to, or at least take birth control. You know, uh, and use protection because um, you know a lot of times uh, it's STDs. I mean, people don't think about that. They don't want to talk about sexually transmitted diseases. But if you have a blocked fallopian tube, if you have um, there's other scars, you know, you can have from, from an STD that might cause you not to get pregnant. And if that's the case, then you may have to go the IVF route. Well, the, you know, the STDs is, is huge. I mean, the HPV, it's, what they're finding out about that, it just seems to be everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere. And people don't really think about it because they think, okay, well, you know, everybody has sex and, and we should do it too. And it's all over TV and the movies and that sort of thing. But, yes, you should protect yourself until you're ready to have a baby because you may find that you have a missing piece there. And, and obviously both partners can't have a baby if if the sperm's too slow, the motility or the morphology is off, the, the speed of the sperm or the shape of the sperm. Or if the woman has a STD, you know, she may have a problem as well, too. So um, it really it protects both people. It saves time, money, and energy to actually get checked out. So this is, I don't want to say a, well, it is a revised edition yes. of a previous book, So, but it's completely updated and everything. So how far, it was eight years ago eight the first one ago. came yeah, out? Yeah, it was in 2005. So what, what's changed for you? What's I mean, you changed? had to go back and, and interview people. There's all yeah. sorts of new stuff. What, what's different? Yeah, lots of things have changed. I mean, we put in a uh, new plan, which is a, like a 12-week plan on how to get pregnant. It talks about Saivita for men. It talks about eating right for men and women. Uh, we talk about, of course, the alternative therapies that we had talked about before, but we updated those. We updated statistics. We changed Chapter 12, which was on Microsort, uh, which was the FDA uh, being approved technology that didn't get approved in the U.S. It's in Cyprus, and it's in, uh, I think, Mexico and some places. But you What have is it? Um, Microsort technology is a gender selection technology, oh. and it helps you decide about gender beforehand. But um, it's not approved by the FDA. So we took that chapter out and we've replaced it with chiropreservation, which is preserving, you know, freezing, freezing your yeah. genetic material like eggs, sperm, embryos, that sort of thing. So, 
That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, why is that not approved by the FDA? The microsort? Yeah. Um, good question. I, I don't know. Dr. Potter was a uh, medical director on microsort as well, so that's a good question. I don't think we really knew that. I mean, we had it in the Chapter 16 as well. Uh, we talked about uh, things to go forward with um, technology as well. But um, that's one of the things that we did think would be approved, but it wasn't. So sometimes the FDA doesn't approve every drug, and that's just one of them. Or every treatment, you know, every every possible technology, they don't approve everything. So, uh, so I imagine you track this a little bit, though. Is it yes. successful? Are there horrible risks in the places where it is being used? Uh, I don't think so. So I really don't know why it wasn't approved. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, you'd have to ask the FDA about that. I'm talking with Jennifer Hannon, who's the co-author of What to Do When You Can't Get Pregnant. Her co-author is Daniel Potter. And the subtitle of the book, let me do, do, start that again. What to do when you can't get pregnant, the complete guide to all the options for couples facing fertility issues. And it is a, a revised, updated edition. If you have the old one, get this one instead. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll keep talking to Jennifer. Hi, it's Practical Polly's radio show. If you're just figuring out that healthier cooking oils are better than solid fats, you may be asking, now what am I going to do with all these tubs of lard? Ever had one of those moments when your favorite skinny jeans feel too tightly tailored? (laughs) Generously apply lard to your hips and thighs and those fancy pants will slide on like a dream. Or here's a family-friendly idea. How about making your yard into a lard fun park? Frost your driveway with a nice thick coating and give those kiddos a downhill thrill no matter what time of year. Having a bad hair day? Yep. A little lump of lard can tame your flyaways in a jiffy. So there's no need for that lard to go to waste or to your waste. But get your best heart-healthy trade-up with healthier oils like canola, olive, or other vegetable oils, which can actually lower your chances for heart disease. Now that's a tip worth keeping for life. Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info is the national supporter of the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. I'm in almost every school blessing classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, talking with Jennifer Hannon, who's the co-author of What to Do When You Can't Get Pregnant, The Complete Guide to All the Options for Couples Facing Fertility Issues. Jennifer, thanks for sticking around with us. It's been eight years since the first edition of the book came out, right? Lots changed, but I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what is the most dramatic change that you've seen over that time? Or maybe the oddest change? Um, I don't know about oddest. I mean, I would probably say that the most um, progressive thing was PGS, which is pre-implantation genetic screening. PGS is a is a testing. It's not a diagnostic tool, but testing uh, to make sure the chromosomal makeup of your genetic uh, makeup is is actually accurate, and that you're using the best sperm and the best eggs. So I would say PGS is probably the best breakthrough um, in the last eight years. 
Is that where they can test for all sorts of conditions before implanting the embryo? Yeah, that's like PGD, which is pre-implantation genetic, genetic diagnosis. PGS is pre-implantation genetic screening. Okay. Both are, again, screening tests. They're not diagnostic tests, but they do look at chromosomal makeup to make sure that you're using the best sperm and best egg before IVF. I kind of wonder how those are going to play out over the years because it seems like you, when you do a, a, a CVA, what do you, the chorionic test or any of the other diagnostic tests during the pregnancy, you're testing for one or two things and you can figure out whether you're going to have it or not. But if you're testing for 500 different conditions, mm-hmm. you're going to find something pretty much. I mean, the odds are you, know, you might. I, I think what you're really trying to do is is make the uh, pregnancy rate more successful. The, oh, the the implantation rate. Right. I mean, once the implantation rate is successful, hopefully your pregnancy is going to go through. So it's it's not going to um, give you a guarantee on pregnancy, but it's going to make sure that you have a better chance of getting pregnant. Okay. Now, how do things like aromatherapy work? Do you have an, an idea how I that mean, works on the body? I mean, aromatherapy, massage therapy, it, we explain it all in the book, so you'll have to buy the book to find out. And you can go to can'tgetpregnant.com yeah. to, to get the book. Well, but you've got to give us a little bit of a hint about what's going on physiologically with, yeah, with I mean, the body. Is that just relax. stress relief? I mean, aromatherapy, massage therapy, reflexology, we list all of those complementary therapies in our book, and we talk about them in detail. So any reader that picks up the book will be able to find out by reading that chapter. What do you think of this whole thing in California? Jerry Brown, our governor, recently signed this piece of legislation uh, essentially saying that you can have three parents, and I, or more than two parents anyway. So you can. you're kind I of mean, counting with the genetic, yeah. the donor of eggs or donor of sperm. Sure. What do you think that does to, the, to families? It changes families. I mean, you know, obviously, but there's all kinds of families. And I think, um, you know, we have a chapter that says sometimes it takes four, sometimes it's you and the doctor. And it could be a surrogate, or it could be two donors. It could be a sperm and an egg donor. So sometimes it may be more than one person, you know, involved in in your uh, planning of your new child. And and I think, um, you know, you have to look and figure out if you want to adopt or you want to go a route like surrogacy, egg donation, sperm donation, that sort of thing. Right. I want to come back to that in just a sec. But before that, I want to get back to something you said a few minutes ago about the effect on relationships and the blame game and that sort of stuff. What do you guys suggest for families, couples, to do to maintain some sort of level of sanity without blaming each other when they're going through a very, very stressful and expensive time, probably? Well, we have a chapter on that, too, and we talk about relationship meltdowns and what you can do to surprise your spouse, to uh, take your spouse out for a, a lunch or dinner or some kind of event where they don't know about it and surprise them. I mean, you can do all kinds of things, but the, the thing to remember is not to blame each other because it doesn't fix the issue. Well, that's okay. So, the, if if you're going into it equal handed, right? Right. So you got you don't know yet who's, yes. whose fault it is. And right. Fault and, and is it, probably the wrong yeah. word, but yeah. you know, how do you? So, say that you have figured it out. The doctors figured out. Okay, it's okay. you, Mrs. or you, Mister. Uh-huh. That would just up the ante for the the blaming, wouldn't it? It would. So I think the thing is to remember that um, you know what, if if our body fails in some way, it's really not. It's not something we can help. All we can do is go forward. So you have to really think about, okay, do I want to um, go forward with a surrogate? Do I want to go forward with an egg or sperm donor? Do I want to go forward with adoption? And we cover all those those avenues mm-hmm. because parents uh, or parents-to-be need to realize there are options, and this book gives them options. Yeah. When I was working on my, my book on pregnancy and childbirth mm-hmm. for, for men, uh-huh. was kind of I did a lot of interviews with people, and there was a point kind of around here where – Switching from getting pregnant the normal way or even even uh, 
artificial insemination using your own sperm, of course. Changing from that to a donor egg or donor sperm, there's a sense that a lot of people have of failure. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Of, I mean, how do you get over that one? The failure. I think you have to realize that, you know, we, um, we as humans tend to blame ourselves a lot, and we tend to blame other people. And, and we have to realize that... Um, you know, if you want to fix this, you have to think about solutions instead of blaming, because blaming right. doesn't really work. Well, not not even blaming, but just saying there's, there's something wrong. My genetic material is not going to be used to carry on the family name, mm -hmm. and that just get it's, over it's, it. it's wrong. <laughs> that, that's your. I think you got to get over it. Yeah, because yeah. I think that if you want to be a parent, you want to be a parent. I don't think you really care if if they look like you or they don't look like you, or you know, they could look like. Um, <laughs> let's just say. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody, uh, <laughs> Kim Jong Young, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it doesn't matter. You know, I guess the point is, you know, you could look like anybody, but if you want to be a parent, you want to be a parent. So you got to get over it. Well, I guess you, you need to figure out why you want to be a parent. Right. Do you want to be a parent just so you can have some kid to boss around, or right. you want to be a parent? You want a slave? <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's what they will tell you after a few years. The <laughs> only reason you had me was against yeah, yeah to right. be a slave. Yeah. Yeah. So. so are there parents, or not parents, are there couples that you found who just just wasn't going to work? Nothing was going to work for them. Surrogacy, mm -hmm. just nothing. They just No, I haven't found that, but I did tell you, um, or at least, you know, when I was interviewing uh, in the beginning, uh, this was back in like 2003, before the book was published, uh, when I started interviewing people, um, I did always wonder which couple will be first to divorce, right? And two of the couples I know for a fact have divorced. And uh, one had oh. adopted and went through IVF, and one had just gone through IVF and then had a, a child naturally later. Um, but so, you know, what it says to me is that there is a divorce rate in our country, and it's going to happen no matter what. And so, you know, either you can be part of the part of the um, you know the solution to try to figure out ways to make your marriage work or not. A kid's not always going to do it, and so you have to really know each other and have to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. How involved did you, to the couples that you were you mm -hmm. were talking to, how involved did they get their families in this whole thing? Or did they keep the, um, the process, the mm -hmm. artificial reproductive technology, or and anything that isn't just sort of normal? Mm -hmm. Did they keep that from their families? Yeah, most actually discussed it. And I did find one family that um, th the, the parents, uh, I think it was the husband's parents, thought that it was like the work of the devil. You know, like if you're going to use IVF, oh, my gosh, you know, that's like outside the norm and it's not religiously correct. And um, that couple had to say, you know what, this is what we want to do, and this is our life, and, and we're living our life, not yours, so, like, get over it. And and sure enough, they finally did, I think they did get over, get over it. But if they don't, then you have to be able to say, okay, well, they just don't understand, and you have to go forward with your life. But you, well, you found that most of the, fa the families were supportive. Most were. Speaking. I mean, there are always a few that aren't. And if that's the case, it may be just something that they fear. And, you know, if they fear it and, and they think it's religiously incorrect, then maybe they won't be agreeable to that. But um, but I think most of the time, I would say probably 95, 98% of the time, most people understand. There's just a few that, that may not. And, and maybe they will in the future. So we hope so. So where do you think we're going? Uh, Technology-wise, I mean, are, is is there anywhere to go from here? You can there pick is. the sex. You can you can have a baby that's going to be completely free of any sort of chromosomal issues. Mm -hmm. Are we going to now start kind of the brave new world sort of thing where you're going to pick particular traits that you want? I'd like a really weightlifter kind of a, a mm -hmm. son or a tall willowy daughter, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think you can, but it doesn't always work, and we've seen that, so we know. 
But um, I don't think we need to worry about cloning. I don't think that's ever going to, to be the case. I think that um, that's really sci-fi, and that's where it belongs. Uh, I think You we don't think somebody's going to try it? I think somebody might try it, but I think we have too many regulations in this world to, to actually keep that from, you know, like clones uh, ruling the world. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so what we do in the Chapter 16 is we talk about uh, what's probable, what's possible, you know, what potentially could happen, what could not. And we look at both sides, and we say, you know, this is what the experts say about it, and this is what the public thinks about it. And so we kind of go back and forth to let people know there's two sides to every every discussion, and, and you have to look at both. It always concerns me. I, I can understand that there's regulations, mm -hmm. but it comes down to an ethical issue and right. the, the researcher or the clinician's mm -hmm. ethics. I mean, mm -hmm. do you do this or do you not do that? Right. And you can't legislate ethics. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and there's always going to be an ethic, uh, ethical and a moral side and, and a religious side to everything and a medical side and a scientific side. So there's pretty much like five or six sides to every yeah. issue, even though we talk about left, right, and center. There's really more than that. Jennifer Hannon is the co-author with Daniel Potter of What to Do When You Can't Get Pregnant, the complete guide to all the options for couples facing fertility issues. Jennifer, thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dear Mom and Dad, one thing I've learned in the Army is that when you're lucky enough to get a little time off, you should put it to good use. So I'm taking a moment to write and tell you that I'm fine and doing well. We have good days and bad days over here. We try to remember the good ones and get through the bad ones as best we can. Mostly we have each other, and that's what keeps us going. That and the pride of our commitment to getting the job done, whatever it takes. I miss you all very much and can't wait to get back to life as usual. Please tell everybody hello for me, and that I'll be home soon. And Mom, since you asked, if anyone wants to help, just tell them to contact the USO. You can't believe how much they do for us. With love, your son Michael. The USO depends on the generosity of the American people, people just like you. To find out how you can help, visit us at USO.org. The USO, until everyone comes home. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment with Samantha Fuse. Sam, you know, we, we had not all that long ago Black Friday, and then there's the Christmas holidays, and then there's, of course, the people who miss the deadlines, and they try to get things late, and... There's global warming, so people don't go outside because it's too hot, or they don't go outside because it's too cold. So let's talk about some toys that are just just because. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but we're cold right now. We're not going outside a whole heck of a lot. Maybe you know, taking a walk, hitting the park. We're not we're not doing much outside right now. Building a snowman. <laughs> um, yeah, we're having we're doing mostly indoor play at the moment. And so those long hours, can they can be kind of challenging sometimes, especially they if you can. don't really want to park your child in front of a screen. Yeah, I'm not really a screen kind of parent. I, he's allowed to watch a half hour a day of whatever. How did the Peter Rabbit DVD fit in with that? Does that count as part of the half hour? Or is that Absolutely. Uh, measuring? He gets a half hour of screen time a day. But Peter Rabbit's actually really good for that because they're using the segments from the TV show. So he can watch it in increments, and the segments actually aren't that long. How, how is it? Are they kind of reading the stories, or are they making new stories with the same characters? I'm it is a classic Beatrix Potter tale. It's exactly what we remember from when you were a kid. It just got, like, a new modern take on it. And Peter Rabbit's, like, a fun, wholesome, I don't have to worry about him watching it and, you know, karate chopping somebody later because he saw some nonsense on it. So he's not going to go karate chopping with... with Peter Rabbit, but no. he may if you start bringing out those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I cannot believe that they keep going strong after <laughs> decades. Well, it's, it's definitely a resurgence. My brother used to love those back in the 80s. 
yeah, my older kids loved them too. And then I thought, okay, that's the end of that. You know, they're, they're gone. But they're back. Or maybe they just have never left. Yeah, I think those are just kind of things that come back in, in waves. They never really go away. They just come back really strong every so often. This is one of those every so often. They're definitely back full force right now. Um, it's remote control, so it moves around. It's got a rapid-fire sewer cover cannons. Um, it's definitely not a travel toy, but it's definitely something that will kill time in the house. Um, let them loose in the kitchen with it, someplace with like a nice you know, laminate floor, maybe not so much on carpeting. And it's kind of retro. And you know what sort of struck me as retro? When I saw the, the pictures and I saw the videos of the Disco Robo guys, <laughs> they look very much, for, if you look at them quickly, they look like the, the Power Rangers from not all that long ago. No, I oh, don't yes. know about that. They have I the think same kind of colors, and the, they look like they're fighting and, and stuff. Right? But so. they also don't fight, they dance. Um, they, they have special moves, and you can plug them into either a little radio thing that they can come with, or you can customize their dance moves. How does that work? I mean, they, they hear the music somehow, and then they move in time to the music, or is it a random thing? Can it's you get one who just doesn't dance well? Um, so if you're playing music that's got, like, a really, like, thumping beat, they, they move on every thump. It's obviously not going to, like, gyrate or anything like that. It's, it's, it's a robot. It's got robot-like movements. Um, but it moves its hands around. It moves its head around. It, it shakes its, its booty. A silly little robot that does silly little dance moves and makes funny faces, but my kid gets a huge kick out of it. You can get a lot of other reviews of these products and lots of other products at parentsatplay.com. For Samantha Fuse, I'm Armin Brandt. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.